Carl Crusher. How you doing, Carl? Hey, what's up? It's good to good to hear and see you. Where are you t- uh, talking to us from? I'm in uh, southern Utah, actually, down here on the border of Arizona and Nevada, kind of uh, right down uh, two hours from Area 51 and two hours from the Grand Canyon, kind of right in the middle of a lot of cool stuff. Man, that's cool. That that feels really exotic to me because I'm just used to growing up in all these cities in in the cold UK and sort of Utah's very exotic place. Um, but more interestingly, your work revolves around finding and exploring ancient petroglyph sites. Is that is that due to where you are? Are there those? Well, firstly, what are petroglyph sites? And then secondly, are there, are there, is is that sort of around where you are? Yeah, so petroglyphs are like when you see a lot of the carvings on the TV show, the ancient aliens, where they depict like the ancient uh, carvings that have humanoid like figures that almost seem anthropomorphic and maybe alien or from another culture or out of place. Um, A lot of people get confused about the difference between petroglyphs, pictographs and hieroglyphs, where hieroglyphs are what you typically see over in Egypt. And it's like a a form of language with written symbols and it's uh, put into a form that you can actually read and and write and has specific meaning. Whereas petroglyphs are like carved into rocks and they're more just like glyphs or symbols that have uh, almost like a graffiti tag, but they're more, much more sophisticated and connected over a vast network of, uh, of uh, village community and and tribe, uh, depending on the culture. So, and uh, pictographs are the same thing, but they're painted on with like a dye or some some sort of a paint, a pigment that they'll put on the rock instead of actually carving it in. So I study all of those and try to go find them. And I kind of happened onto it because I I realized I I wanted to get out in my area and hike and explore a lot more. And I was watching online and saw, uh, yeah, that all these uh, carvings, petroglyphs and pictographs and everything were surrounding me all over the place for miles and miles. And so I just got into it. And when I started going and exploring these spots, I realized that what they put on the brochure and what they put online versus what you find when you go and start looking around is much different. And what I was rarely finding was uh, depictions of normal everyday life. Most of these petroglyph sites were full of really mysterious carvings that seemed to tell a story or have Hmm. clues that pointed to something. And that got me really hooked in the mystery. And so I started going and meditating in these places and trying to connect with them like spiritually and also taking like paranormal and scientific gear and trying to see if ancient shaman were connecting with these locations as well in some way or if there was something to that. And one thing led to another, and now I'm kind of doing uh, collaborative work research throughout the state and even with Skinwalker Ranch because of all of it. That's cool. So these um, petroglyphs, so they're pretty remarkable, even if you don't take into account any paranormal ramifications, because, I mean, how far back are we talking about? Well, I mean, some of them, it's really hard to tell. I've seen some that actually depict carvings of figures that are throwing spears at woolly mammoths, so they could be very old paleo they could be 15 to 18,000 years old it's really hard to tell um some a lot of the ones that i research and study around are more like in the range of a thousand uh to 1300 years ago and uh so it just depends there's layers and layers of culture and then you have invading cultures that come into the region like uh different 
people like the Aztec or the Spanish came in and they had different motives and intentions in the region, why they came in there. And they also carved on. And then you even also have, you know, Wild West carvings from pioneers and cowboys and stuff coming in that uh, also found the same spots and carved on these locations a lot as well. So you have to kind of sift through the different layers of culture and the people who uh, came into the area and what they were doing there and try to figure it all out. Here's the big question that people, I think, want to hear the answer to. I mean, what what does this mean for us? Is that do they suggest there there was back in the day some sort of alien paranormal life, or just that these people had imaginations like we have? Yeah, that's kind of the puzzle, the big mystery, and I think we're still kind of doing it at a different level today in the same kind of way, where on the the one hand, back in ancient times, you have people that were just approaching mother nature in its raw form. And maybe they were using substances or different types of spiritual ceremonies or rituals that were connecting them to reality. And what we would, the terms that we would use today and like what they use at the Stanford Research Institute is like altered states of consciousness. And now, you know, we have all these programs in the government and we did where they use like remote viewing and out-of-body travel and meditation approaches and methods to try and research reality and understand reality. They used it in the Cold War a lot to spy on the Russians and different things, but uh, all of that bleeds into the phenomenon, the strangeness of it as well, is like this aspect of human consciousness. And so my big question was, were these ancient people in these locations and their shaman in their rituals, were they somehow tapping into something in the geology or like the ley lines or the energetic frequencies of these certain canyons or, or locations? Cause they, a lot of them vibrate or have a lot of echo echoes to them, uh, uh, sound and frequencies to them. So were they using these natural locations to, have these sort of out-of-body experiences or do remote viewing or amplify their own human potential and consciousness or maybe even tap into other dimensions or entities or beings. And we see the same kind of thing coming full circle where you see experiments with like Stephen Greer's CE5 and you have the uh, Monroe Institute doing the gateway experience where a lot of this has to do with trying to contact the phenomenon or other dimensions of reality or peer into them using human awareness and consciousness rather than just uh, scientific equipment. So it's kind of like combining all of it together. So the question is, were ancient people doing that? And did they make contact or open up something? Or did they exist in a different time where things were amplified? And now we're, we've lost that and we're trying to rediscover it again. Oh, it's a fascinating thought, isn't it? And and among the other things that I know you look have been looking into, um, we, we've had like, oh, have I lost you? I lost you for a sec. Oh, you're, you're back. It might have been me that got lost. We've had, um, I don't know, we've spoken about different paranormal types of things before. And we're going to get on to Skinwalker Ranch, of course. But myths of giants um just because i've done I've sort of done bigfoot and ufos i'm interested in giants because giants you would think we'd see them so what's the what's the deal with giants yeah that's a really interesting one i'm trying to stay open-minded to all of it because it seems kind of inseparable to all of it when you go to these locations or delve into the research depending on what culture you're talking about they kind of do the carvings or the pictographs or whatever, and they relate the oral tradition as like 
uh, ant people, and sometimes they call them star people, or they call them the sky gods, or different things. There's different names, but it's common thread through all of it, and you kind of wonder if it is all connected. And some of it uh, is same with the phenomena of the giants, this mythos that there was a time and a place where there was these giant beings with sort of supernatural abilities that lived alongside of humans. And then there was kind of a, a disaster that wiped most of them out and a lot of people too. And then there was like some scraps between different pockets of them and then the, the residue remains. So uh, the oral tradition is, is that a lot of them dwelt around in this area. There's a place in Nevada called Lovelock Cave where supposedly some giants were hunted down by Native Americans and trapped in a cave and burned in there. And then over in Fredonia, uh, just east of me towards the Grand Canyon over there by Kanab, there's stories of the early settlers in the early 1900s encountering living giants up in the canyons near the Grand Canyon and stuff when they were prospecting for mining spots and had encounters with them. So I don't know, you don't know how much of it's true or not. But uh, part of it's really interesting when you go up and start looking around and you see some of these ancient mine structures and cave systems. And that's what a lot what we've been doing up in the Uinta Basin around Skinwalker Ranch is going to a lot of these spots where these ancient caves and mines and things actually are that date back thousands and thousands of years into kind of this mysterious lost time. And there's petroglyphs and pictographs all over the place that point to it. And so we're kind of going into those places and looking and seeing how it's all connected and what's true and what's not trying to figure it out. Wow, it is fascinating. I suppose, I mean, do you ever, do you give much weight to the to the idea that maybe over the millennia or centuries, these are stories about, I don't know, maybe even, because there was a time, wasn't there, when there were Neanderthals uh, living at the same time as us. And I think there were several other types of sapiens, which just in itself is just mind-blowing. And maybe some of those stories have come back, you know, to, to today, to today and now it's all giants and stuff like that. Because what you were saying sounded pretty similar to, to that scientific concept, right? Yeah, and when you think about it, even like the like the Zuni people or the the Pueblo, like I've talked to local Native Americans and they're like, yeah, my my great grandma, she was only like four foot three or something. And so you wonder, like, if another culture came over, like the Phoenicians or the Vikings mm. or something and the and the waterways were different or water levels were higher and they were able to come right up the Grand Canyon up into Lake Powell or clear up into the Uinta Basin and where now they're just dry salt flats that could have been like ocean fjords and they were paddling up in there and having all kinds of interactions. So what they recount as giants could have just been another culture that was vastly different that they ran into. Who knows? But I, what's interesting is the, the again, the, the carvings and the, and the stories, they don't seem to relate normal interaction they seem to account supernatural depictions there's even you know entities with big horns and clawed hands and then spiral portals and there's even spirals that i've seen with people and even animals falling out of the spirals upside down like they're dropped from the sky and weird stuff and again they don't put that on the brochure or the website they just put like a picture of an antelope or something <laughs> Until you go up there and look yourself, you would never see it, you know. It's interesting. We've got a, 
a good, nice comment from Short Order Cook saying, what an interesting thing to spend your life exploring. Wonderful. I think so as well. It sounds like a fantastic job to have to be looking into all of this stuff and, and expanding the human mind and whatever. Um, <laughs> but but what about, what about I mean, is your work all based on on the historic stuff and petroglyphs and, or, or do you give much, do you, do you believe much in the stuff, you know, nowadays stuff reportings and things i mean you, i know bigfoot sightings is one of the things you've been looking into for example yeah well, part of what got me into it was i like several years ago like eight years ago i got invited as a full-time youtuber and independent filmmaker to go help film behind the scenes for a documentary about bigfoot there was a guy in california that claimed that he shot one up in the mountains and i got asked to go help film uh some of the footage for that and the first night up there had like a really bizarre encounter at night when everybody was asleep. Uh, and I was up by the campfire with one other guy. And at the time I related it like, man, it was like straight up a Bigfoot encounter. There we were up on the mountain, you know, but really it was very supernatural, like a big shadow figure, almost like you would like you hear my friend Chris Bartell. He was a, a security guy at Skinwalker Ranch for uh, many years during the Bigelow era. And it sounds like, you know, some of his stories and other ones that I've heard more than an actual like Bigfoot encounter. So I don't know if I just like overlaid it in my mind and made it a Bigfoot encounter the way it all happened, because I didn't really yeah. see like a giant ape in the woods, you know, but I did yeah. see a giant shadow thing move up at me through the trees that was very big and tall and scary. And then saw like a, a ball of light that came up out of the trees and floated overhead and disappeared and and that kind of unraveled my whole sense of reality. I was trying to figure out what the hell that was for the longest time. Uh, it was so strange and bizarre. And then finally, when I got to a place where I was like, you know, I think I could just pursue this full time and really try to figure it out. I wanted to understand my own, my own self, my own sense of awareness and perception and the blind spots with that. So I really got into different aspects of meditation and human awareness and consciousness because you know this aspect of the the trickster element or your own awareness being fooled or something like that i wanted to know be very grounded in my own perceptions and everything going into it so from that aspect and then also you know getting the right equipment and surrounding myself with the right friends and team and then uh, i just started getting into it so yeah it's turned into a really good really good career. I say that, but sometimes it's not so fun when you're sitting in a spot by yourself in the dark or whatever, and things start happening. You're like, okay, yeah. maybe I got more than I bargained for, but yeah, so it's far so exciting. good. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, I mean, it, it does sound like you're healthily skeptical, I would, I would say, because you, you say, oh, you know, it could be down to uh, some sort of perception or whatever, and you've become, you've become more uh, you're trying to become more attuned with, I guess, what might be real and what and what isn't. Uh, but but is there anything where you really are like, no, that was a hundred percent? No, I don't think I've been that convinced yet. I think I've, you know, I've. Oh, that's a very very good question. <laughs> I think in the moment, I've definitely had things that, according to my awareness and perception, they were. Uh, very vivid, uh, very like a, a real sort of experience and encounter, but you're, it's always left with a sense of confusion and second guessing 
and wondering if somebody was messing with you. And, and, and that's kind of what I think a lot of people struggle with after they have an encounter with the phenomenon, because it's, you're trying to understand something that, uh, it's hard to wrap your head around because it's different than you're expecting. You know, a lot of my, what I would call supernatural type experiences, I would say are tied to my exploration of human consciousness through meditation. And then when I go to these locations and I practice that there in some of these locations, and I think that's what they call like the hitchhiker phenomenon. It's like something follows you home. It's almost like you're trespassing on something else's territory. And then it, hmm. so it comes to check you out back at home. And so I've definitely had stuff like that happen. But this is where it's strange because, you know, I go to the site. I have a, an experience at the site where there's like maybe missing time, like three, four hours where I can't really, where I'm like, but I'm not sure, did I fall asleep? Was it just a deep meditation? But then I'm very sick. I'm like throwing up by the time I get back to the truck. And then the dreams that I have all night are very bizarre. The smoke alarms in my house start going off. I start having, you know, almost like there's a, like a poltergeist in my house or something, things moving around and seem out of place. But the whole time, like, how do I say that's 100% real? How do I say what level of that is, is just going to these places? Does it amplify our own human potential or our own human connection with our environment? And is it just making me come back home and I'm creating all these effects around myself? And I'm thinking that it's like an entity following me when it's not. So I'm very skeptical in that sense, you know? Um, I'm curious, very curious about what it is. So even when there is, seems to be things that are happening that are real, I'm still very curious and skeptical about what is the source of it, what's causing it, and you know how real the phenomena is, and and all of that. So it's a big mystery, and very curious about it all. Hmm. I've apparently been getting some issues with my camera. Did you see any Carl on your side with my camera? I haven't seen any. Is mine look a little blurry and stuff? No, but apparently, no, no. Apparently, mine was. Apparently, mine went off and glitched on the actual YouTube channel. But I don't think it did in the studio, did it? So that's yeah. a good thing. Don't know why that happened. Maybe aliens trying. Right to when we we're talking about us. having electrical stuff follow home, right? <laughs> yeah, that's really weird. Honestly, I've just seen Ash. Ash sent me a little uh, screenshot of what it looked like, and it is all completely glitched up. Um, wow. And it does sound like there's some some someone's trying to get me. I've shapeshifted, as Ash has just said to me. Um, we've got a comment. Let me know in the comments if that is happening again, and maybe I'll have to refresh at some point or something. Um, Anexus Amei asks about, uh, can, Carl, can Carl describe what portals are in these mysterious places? And I wonder if that takes us on to Skinwalker Ranch, because I know there are supposed to be portals there. So maybe you could give us a, a little rundown, because we are going to be talking about Skinwalker Ranch later as well, which is why I wanted to ask you about your other expertise and experience. But a little rundown of what Skinwalker Ranch is, and, and then get on to the portals. Yeah. So portals, I think this is interesting. When people think of a portal, they immediately think of like Stargate, or they think of like, mm -hmm portal from a video game yeah rick and morty like a video game some window energetic window sort of opening up kind of what i the way that i like to to think about it and what i what seems to be occurring the way that i describe it more instead of thinking of it like a portal appearing within our reality imagine it more like 
accessing information from or, or awareness from what is normally in your blind spot. Does that make sense? So like mm -hmm. we normally can only perceive the colors of the rainbow and everything that we see in our visual spectrum falls within that reality, within the ultraviolet to the infrared. And then everything outside of that falls into a total blind spot and we just can't see it. You know, but there are other animals within the animal kingdom and insects and things that can perceive into the infrared and into those other spectrums and other dimensions of reality. If you think about it, different yeah. frequencies of awareness or existence. And so imagine if you go into a certain location that has an anomaly, either geologically or uh, something is there maybe underground or is is there's a ley line or an amplification or something like that that we don't understand or a person has a natural ability uh, and you like that is amplified themselves like they're able to change their radio signal and you go into these locations and and suddenly you become aware or you perceive or get a glimpse into what is normally in your blind spot so something that would be invisible to you normally or be, go typically unperceived by you, suddenly there's a glitch and now you can see it or you can, there's a, a wrinkle in reality that allows you to glimpse into this other space or our cousins next door, so to speak, in this other parallel dimension or spectrum of reality that we normally don't perceive. So when I think when people perceive what they're calling a portal, that comes with a lot of misunderstandings with the terminology where really it might just be more like um, a threshold where two places are, or like an event horizon where two places are merging together and a window opens, or maybe even your mind is opening to perceive something that really is there that normally you would not see just like it. And so then the trick is, is how do you pair that up with technology to also capture uh, alongside when you're perceiving it within your consciousness and awareness so that it's not just a, a hallucination perceived by the individual. How do you capture that scientifically? And that's a lot what's going on now is how do you match up the uh, psychological phenomenon or the psychic phenomenon as it occurs within the person's awareness and match that with scientific equipment that can capture the data on the right frequency and then you start to narrow in on what exactly this is and where it's coming from and where it exists man it's fascinating and, let, oh, and i'm going to ask you more about skinwalker ranch now but dr cranky flaps no i don't wear eyeliner but i did when i was about 18 because i thought i wanted to be like the guy from green day or the killers um i've been asked <laughs> that before sorry I, just, I saw that as one of the questions but yeah tell us um do you wear eyeliner carl no, I don't. No, I have before when I, I've done some like stage play acting and different <laughs> film stuff, but no, not not normally. Yeah, there's some people who's oh the guy from Goodfellas, Ray Liotta, who died recently. I always thought he must wear a lot of eyeliner, but I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, tell us tell us what Skinwalker Ranch is, just for for those people who've been living under a rock for the last few decades or whatever. Skinwalker Ranch is a really fascinating location in northeastern Utah in a place called the Uinta Basin, where for several decades there was actual uh, United States government funded research 
into UFOs and the paranormal. And a lot of that was done through different shell programs. Uh, Bob Bigelow was one of the main owners of the ranch during that time. And basically the reports that come out of there are everything from, like we talked about from portals opening and seeing things coming in and out of them to UFOs, to lights in the sky, to uh, orbs and stuff. But the, uh, the main theme that seems to come through most is a lot of paranormal Native American themed encounters that have to do with like wolves, werewolves, shape-shifting creatures and animals, and then like sort of Native American oral tradition stuff. Like, uh, so it almost feels like there's like a weird time travel glitch there where the past and the future kind of bleed together into the now. Wow. If that makes sense. Yeah. Very strange. I like that. I, I'm, I'm not personally, I'm not one for sort of, and I suppose everyone's this, a lot of people this way. I, I don't like the paranormal when it's just like, oh, well, it's a ghost and that's that. But I quite like when it could be explained by science or, you know, Interstellar is my favorite movie ever. So when it can be like, oh, well, what's really happening is, and whether that's still true or not, who, you know, I don't, I'm not here to judge, so to speak. But I do like that stuff of like, oh, it's all melded uh, together. I mean, how do you do you believe in the Skinwalker Ranch stuff? Have you have you seen much of that stuff or much evidence your, yourself? I think it's a little bit difficult to separate the previous era and the research and their approach to it over uh, those decades versus kind of what's going on with the current uh, group right now. I work collaboratively with the current team and talk with uh, Brandon Fugel and stuff to do a lot of side projects around Skinwalker Ranch and in the basin uh, and with the team that way. And they're all friends of mine as well. Uh, the previous era was very much, uh, it's, it's, let me put it this way. It's the difference between doing a, having a collaborative team of people who want to be there and everybody kind of is on board and knows what the objective of the research is. And the previous era was more like doing a lot of stuff and the people that were there had no idea that they were kind of guinea pigs. And so they were sort of human biosensors. <laughs> Uh, walking around patrolling and doing experiments within the homesteads and stuff. And I have no idea. There's so much confusion from back then about what's true and what's not from who wrote the reports and why and whether they were just trying to make their boss happy or not. But at the end of the day, when you sift through all of that, there is something very strange going on. There is like a gravitational anomaly that's going on above the ranch that seems to be connected to something below and whether that's oh. an artificial or a planted thing or whether it has to do with the strange geology there uh that's a part of the big question that we're still trying to figure out what is it what does a skin walker look like or is it just that's the name of the place and there's all different kinds of spiritual things going on there yeah the skinwalker that comes from the oral tradition of what happened among the Native Americans there in the more recent history compared to like a lot of the ancient history where one of the tribes came in and basically enslaved the other tribe and uh, slaughtered a lot of them. In fact, they gathered them up and murdered a lot of them right there at the base of the Mesa where Skinwalker Ranch is. And so that's why there's a lot of that kind of bad energy there is that the, the land was sort of taken the people were enslaved. And so when they finally were set free, there was like a curse placed upon the land where 
the ghost of the skinwalker was like this shape-shifting entity that could change from like a deer to a wolf to an owl to uh basically like a, almost a demonic type figure in order to scare anyone with bad intentions off of the property or to anybody who is living untrue it sort of like uh refines your life or is like will scare you away type of like a guardian to the land and so that's kind of where the name of the skinwalker comes from and why i think when a lot of people have sort of a strange occurrence there it, it gets chalked up to that being some kind of like a uh a werewolf skinwalker type thing where a lot of times it might not be but that's the folklore did you have um a, a, a sort of ex a paranormal experience there the first time that I went, I actually saw a weird shadow shape and had a lot of cognitive confusion, meaning like I was looking through my backpack, trying to find my night vision camera and trying to find my flashlights and stuff. And it was like I couldn't find my equipment. It was like I was confused and couldn't think straight. And right when that was going on, I saw like a weird looking. I thought it was like a cow moving along the fence. And then when I tried to walk up towards it, there was just like nothing there because it moved along the fence. And then it was like it crouched down really quick, like something squatted down right in front of me. And then uh, when I walked up there, there was nothing there. And then for like three days after that, I had really kind of intense sort of invasive feeling nightmares and dreams where it was like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Very, very restless, like... Uh, almost like somebody's kind of prodding you all night and you can't quite fall into deep sleep because something's sort of harassing you in the back of your mind. It felt like that for like three days and I couldn't quite put a finger on it. And then I, I felt fine. But other than that, I've just, you know, had a lot of uh, normal stuff going in my life and things change. I went through a divorce after all that too and <laughs> sold my house and moved. So I don't know how much of that is all connected, but you hear a lot of stories like that where people go there and then their life kind of, uh, any kind of lies that they're living, man, you start facing the truth real quick. Wow, that's really interesting. Carl, we're running out of time. You've been a brilliant guest. Quickly tell us, I mean, they can go to your YouTube channel, but tell them where they want you to go. <laughs> Yeah, just go to YouTube and type in Carl the Crusher. I've been doing YouTube since 2009, but basically over the last year doing a lot of this, the petroglyph stuff. And really recently, the videos that I'm posting now is actually from when I went up with the Skinwalker Ranch team and Chris Bartell and James Keenan. And we did a lot of cave exploring and went into some sinkholes and cool stuff. So that's what I've been doing mostly there. And then my podcast channel is Carl Vibe you can go look that one up too. So just type those in and you'll find me all over the place. Oh, thank you, Carl. Have a lovely evening. Thanks so much for joining us. It was brilliant. And uh, have, yeah, have a good night. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you.